1798, the economist Thomas Malthus predicted that the world would face inevitable famine and subsistence standard of living because food production will not keep up with the growth of the world population. In his essay, he explained population multiplies geometrically and food arithmetically. Therefore, whenever the food supply increases, population will rapidly grow to eliminate the abundance. This was very scary news when Mr. Maldus shared his essay with the public. However, 222 years later, with all the advances in seed breeding and soil nutrient replenishment, such as fertilizers and irrigation, mechanization, and, and more, the food supply has stayed well ahead of the population curve, thankfully. In, in 1894, the British newspaper, The Times, predicted that in 50 years, every street in London will be buried under nine feet of manure. At the time, there were approximately 50,000 horses in use in London, each producing 15 to 35 pounds of manure per day, along with two pints of urine. The Times reporter explained that with a quickly growing London population, there would be a need for thousands more horses in the years to come, creating very unhealthy living conditions, terrible diseases, and eventually, nine feet of manure everywhere you look. Now, as we all know, the prediction did not come to fruition because of the automobile. In 1909, the Titusville Herald predicted that the supply of oil will last for only 25 to 30 more years. In 1937, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle claimed oil would be gone in 15 years. In 1956, the Corpus Christi Times reported that peak oil production will occur within 10 to 15 years. In 1977, the U.S. Department of Energy stated that oil production will peak in the early 1990s. There are many more predictions that I could share with you, but I think you get, get the point. So far, none of the predictions have come to fruition due to so many technological advancements. But that doesn't prevent people from creating the attention-getting news stories. Necessity is the mother of invention. And it always appears that the combination of human ingenuity, technological advances, and resourcefulness solve the world's biggest problems. However, that narrative does not sell newspapers or airtime. So even as far back as 1798, when Thomas Malthus was predicting worldwide starvation, that's the story that gets remembered. Scary news sells. Now fast forward to today, the news has mastered the art of scaring us into watching to a point where news is becoming a place for affirmation not information. The news is helping to create the divisiveness because divisive topics get attention and that generates money through advertising. The problem with focusing on divisive topics is that 
they are so random, which means the topic may work for you today because the focus is on a group or an issue that you're against. But the problem with that is that the topic may work against you tomorrow. It may be an issue or may focus on uh, a, uh, a group that you are a part of. Who would have thought something as innocuous as buying a can of Goya beans could become a perceived statement about your political beliefs? Now, whether you're a fan of Goya beans or not, it's definitely getting out of hand. Definitely getting out of hand. English philosopher J.S. Mills said, He who understands only one side of the argument, not the other, understands little of both. I'm going to say that again. He who understands only one side of the argument, not the other, understands little of both. I love this quote. It's important for me to research and understand the other side of every divisive topic. Coronavirus, no matter what you believe, I can argue the other side. Defund the police, same thing. It doesn't matter what I believe on any of these topics or any other divisive topic, as long as I follow J.S. Mill's philosophy and research the other side so that I can be empathetic and humane. It's the right thing to do. And by the way, it's good for business too. Speaking of business, the recession, which is defined as two negative quarters in a row, is official. The U.S. GDP dropped a record 33% annualized rate in the second quarter after dropping 4.5% in the first quarter. The significant drop was probably no surprise to anyone considering we were all living through the COVID-19 quarantine. Now, the good news is we will see an increase in GDP in the third quarter as we all get back to work now that the quarantines have been lifted. However, with the expiration of the CARES benefits and the incredible amount of uncertainty that remains, the rise in GDP might be short-lived. July 25th saw the end of the federal eviction protections, and July 26th was the final payment of the $600 enhanced benefits. And if you recall, before the CARES Act was enacted, we saw miles-long food lines. More than likely, now that the CARES Act has expired, we will see that again, considering that 49% of Americans expect to live paycheck to paycheck in 2020. 49%. Half of Americans expect to live paycheck to paycheck in 2020. We also might see many evictions because um, almost 40% of renters are at risk of being evicted. That's a lot of Americans. The HEALS Act, or some form of it, should pass, considering this is an election year, but it appears it won't be as generous as the CARES Act. 
Part of what is preventing the HEALS Act from passing is the argument over the $600 per week, which is making it very difficult for small business owners to keep and find employees willing to work. And I know many of you listening already know that. Now, my clients are still very uncertain about the next few months and are having a difficult time forecasting beyond 90 days. However, most have told me that post-quarantine, they are operating close to prior year activity and feel that they have ample backlog for the remainder of the third quarter. The trend I'm hearing from many of these same clients is that activity seems to be drying up for later in the year, making many of them very concerned about the first quarter of 2021. Therefore, cash remains king. Hang on to that cash. You have to assume this recession will last, and I believe you should expect it to get worse after the election when the free, and I'm saying that in quotes, when the free government money stops flowing. Some advice that I'm suggesting to my clients, especially for the ones who are in, are in industries that have RFQs, requests for quotes, is to begin tracking and graphing on a monthly basis the total value of all of the quotes that you're sending out. This will help you create a leading indicator for future sales. Think about it. A percentage of the quotes that you're sending out become orders, which then become sales, which then become cash flow. It's a leading indicator. Also, if you know your financials well enough, take a cut in margin and lock up as many of these RFQs as possible. The customers with RFQs are customers that have projects available today. Lock them up. If you're very uncertain, if uh, you know people are so uncertain, business owners are so uncertain about the future, an RFQ is business that's available today. Try to get as many as possible so that you can build a backlog. I teach my clients to have their finger on the financial pulse. They're prepared. They know the margin that they can cut and still make a significant profit so they can take advantage of winning more RFQs. And I'm proud of that, that my clients understand how to read their financial statements. They value the understanding, the need to understand the financials so well that they can manipulate their margins and still make money. My clients have come to appreciate the value of the bean counter. And speaking of beans, by the way, a recent TED Talk by physicist Ricardo Sabatini mentions that of the three billion genetic base pairs, these are building blocks within our body, only a tiny amount are unique to us. What does that mean? That, that means that that makes us about 99.9% .9 genetically the same. Genetically the same as the next human. We have almost everything in common with each other. 
The divisiveness culture focuses on the 0.1%, the 001. The very small differences. And then the news picks up on those issues. They amplify and magnify the story because scary news sells. And the next thing you know, it feels as if the world is about to end. Unfortunately, the news we're hearing today, that type of news isn't worth watching. There's no value. Divisiveness news isn't worth a hill of beans. You like how I brought beans back into it again? <laughs> Divisiveness ends with you. That's how I want to end this. Divisiveness ends with you. Focus on harmony. The 99.9% .9 of humanity we have in common. Focus on that. Then and only then, we can get back to buying our beans based on the way we have always bought our beans. By choosing the ones that happen to be on sale. And speaking of beans, I'm here next to the fire. I heated up my baked beans. And uh, I'm enjoying them. And no, I'm not going to tell you what kind of beans they are. Who made the beans. But I will tell you they were on sale. I hope you all have a good night. And take care.